So I spent half my holidays on the Christmas actually just riding on trains. And it got me thinking that, you know, Philip, I know you like movies about that have been underwater. Mm. But I'm, uh, my new thing is I'm, I'm going to find the perfect train movie. That uh, we talked about Robert Zemeckis last time. It's not the Polar Express. No, no, no. I, I think so <laughs> far the best one is uh, Train to Peninsula. Uh, no, uh, Train to Busan. Oh, yeah. yes. Have you seen uh, Murder on the Orient Express? Bam. No, I kind of didn't want to watch that because it was marketed as like a Christmas Day movie. So it was like the movie you go and see. Which oh, are... I mean, uh, like the original. I heard oh, okay. Good. Uh, the remake, <laughs> I heard, is pretty bad. It's so no, bad. Is it? Mm-hmm. I thought it was just like, ah, oh, it's just meh. But anyway, so what I did was I went through my old collection of movies and I found an old one. Well, old and old. It came out in 2008. And it stars... An actor that made me start pondering the concept of this kind of actor. It's Woody Harrelson. And I started thinking to myself, has anyone ever in the history of man ever thought or said, I want to see that movie because it has Woody Harrelson in it? No. He's um, just uh, a novelty in the movie. It's like, there, there are actors you hate, but then Woody Harrelson, you just kind of go like, he, he could make a movie worse, he could make a movie better, I don't care, like, I don't know. He's neutral. He's a pretty chill guy. How's it going with your underwater movies philip um i haven't i watched some what was the last one i watched actually let me check that real quick because uh, oh no i, I saw uh, i've been going like way back with them i, w- I watched uh, creature from the black lagoon it was like 45 like no <laughs> it's like it's late 50 something like 50 uh 55 something like that um it's pretty impressive like they have like do those type of underwater stuff because it, it was a lot more underwater shots in it than I expected and they're pretty damn impressive just like divers holding their breath for uh, I actually read uh, a trivia for the movie that was um, it shot it in Florida and uh, during one of the underwater shoots one of the stuntmen had to like go up earlier to like go to the toilet or something and he had like drifted off a bit so he like came up with the water and it was like a woman with her daughter on the beach nearby <laughs> just came up in like full creature of the black lagoon gear and like they just ran into the woods <laughs> <laughs> I love and they it. never like they never got a hold of them and <laughs> explained what was going on i have a question about a movie like that uh have you watched uh, is it called into the blue part two specifically part Philip two seen it. oh i have i have seen it i have seen it i want to watch that one it. because uh my favorite survivor winner is in it playing herself and she's playing like beach volleyball or something like that poverty shallow <laughs> and i'm a i'm a big survivor head for everyone that doesn't know i've watched 41 seasons since the pandemic started and i'm i just want to watch this because of her i know it's very bad but i want to <laughs> ford did you say 41 seasons well girl listen if if I'm going to be stuck at home, I just want to watch someone who's doing way worse than me on an island without any food. Yeah, I, but I mean, like, 41 seasons. Isn't, like, every season, like, 10 hours? I mean, they're, like, 16 to 18 episodes, depending on how many cast members they were. But, like, not cast members, tribe mates, sorry. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's a lot. And I, I was mostly watching it while I was making dumplings or stuff like that. <laughs> but, Ned, is, is, your, is your, the thing you're trying to find, is that the perfect Survivor season? I already know what the perfect Survivor season is. <laughs> is it the one with Into the Blue 2 star? Yeah, the season 16, Micronesia, fans versus favorites. <laughs> <laughs> but also season 20, Heroes versus Villains. That one is also good. <laughs> I actually have uh, the first Into the Blue as a potential uh, movie for this, this podcast, but uh, I guess we can just skip directly to the second one then. I'm all up for it. But the question is, does Into the Blue have a snake in it? 
Take it away, Ned. I mean, I think Philip should take it away this time. <laughs> I don't want anybody past this point. I want those bastards to think that there's just me and them alone on the damn moon. And if any of our men talks above a whisper, I'll have his ball. Hi, everyone, and welcome to uh, Please Don't Hit It, the only podcast where we ask a question, Tom Hoody? <laughs> no, it's not Tom Hoody. It's uh, Oliver Reed. <laughs> How long were you sitting on that one? <laughs> I've been uh, workshopping that one for about two weeks now. <laughs> Did you choose this movie just because you wanted to make that pun? No, the stars aligned on that one. Uh, I am your week's host, Philip, and I'm here with... Uh, uh, Ned. Pontus. And uh, this week we watched uh, a 1981 movie, Venom, directed by... Pierce Haggard, um, initially directed by Toby, Toby Hooper. Hooper. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, it went into the hands of Pierce Haggard, starring Klaus Kinski, Oliver Reed, and Nicole Williamson, among others. And it does not have Eminem making the theme song, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I think it's for the best, because I, I actually saw that movie and I heard that song, and yeah, I wouldn't want... Did he do a song for the sequel as well? He did. I think he made. I think they had an Eminem song, but they didn't make it for the movie. Thank God. Okay. But like, so it's, it's like the Will Smith Men in Black Two situation. Well, enough Spooderman. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we saw this movie. Uh, I have thoughts about this movie, uh, and now I'm wondering if we can get a quick plot synopsis. Okay. How how quick do you want it? Because I can go the super quick one, which is that. A couple of people, three people are trying to kidnap a child who is the grandson of a rich, like, previous explorer and a hotel chain owner. And when they're doing that, what happens is that the child accidentally gets a black mamba instead of, like, a, an African pet snake, I think. And then a hostage situation appears where everyone starts getting killed by the snake and shenanigans happen. That's a short synopsis. I have That's a shorter a one. one. Okay, uh, I need yours, Ned. A vigilante snake takes down a terrorist organization by herself. Period. <laughs> takes, down Klaus, <laughs> takes down Klaus Kinski as well. Klaus yeah. Kinski. Which I believe a lot of people at the time wanted to take him down in real life. <laughs> I, when I was watching this, it's like, I'm going to be honest, this is the only movie with Klaus Kinski I've seen. It's like, I, I think like my movie credentials are being revoked right now. But First for about, me too. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. The, the 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 only thing his, I, his reputation precedes him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was watching this movie and I was like, okay, the, all I know about Klaus Kinski is that he's very much of a diva and that he's like he's he's like the the Stanley Kubrick of uh, movie actors, as far as I know. A temper tantrum and, uh, queen. Yeah, and that I also read this the the thing is that he chose this movie over Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think, because it was going to get him paid more, and also because the script for Raiders of the Lost Ark. He thought it was dumb. Yeah. And it's also another uh, big snake movie, in I, my okay, opinion. I, I guess I'll start now in defending Klaus Kinski. I think he's right, and I think this is a superior movie. Oh, but you can't say the script in Raiders of the Lost Ark is bad compared to this one. Uh, to be honest, I saw it so many years ago, I don't remember anything. Also, from, from a career perspective, he made the bad choice. 
I think he knew he was going to die in a couple of I years. I think anyway. he did some questionable decisions along the way. That's yeah, <laughs> that involved this movie as well. Uh, but yeah, um, so the reason I wanted you to watch this movie is because I think it's just a fun fucking movie. I I adore this movie because it has all of these titans of male divas bumping head with each other, like on screen and like on the set, and I just think it comes across as like such a fun weird thing except for oliver reed and klaus kinski are there any other divas oh the behind the scenes the police guy i don't remember his name i Nic- read that he's nicole also williamson? nicole he's williamson a little bit of an alcoholic and also had some outbursts <laughs> yeah uh and like yeah to begin with like the the whole uh klaus kinski was bragging at a party about how he and i don't i, I mean he, i guess he took charge in getting uh, Toby Hooper fired from the production of this movie and apparently he left like during a nervous breakdown and I think it's just like it's so telling how the creator of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre leaves this during a nervous breakdown and like the nicest <laughs> person to it on set was the snake <laughs> <laughs> and there were five of them the snakes yes oh yeah this is they actually shot this goddamn movie with live Black members mostly, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you, yeah. You, yeah. You can tell. I mean, there, there are some. I mean, classic wrestles a rubber snake at one point, but in, in a the gorgeous vents, sequence. Oh, uh, it's oh, it's so beautiful. I think there's like one shot in the movie where they're sh- 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 like sh- uh, recording or like filming a snake in the vent, and it's like I think they the snake and like uh, th- it turned around, which they didn't expect. So it's like they're moving camera towards him, and then they back out because the snake is like turning around, it's like gonna <laughs> fuck with the camera. Because at one point I was like, wait, the camera's moving forwards, now it's backwards, now it's forwards. Was that intended or was it because like, okay, we need to add one hat, like 30 more seconds to the shot. I read the review of this movie that said, this is die hard, but Bruce Willis is the snake. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> but I like, I mean, you have like the, the characters of this movie, like you have Oliver Reed playing Dave. I love that in the, the intro sequence, it's Oliver Reed as Dave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And like Dave is way in over his head. He's been seduced into this whole situation. And meanwhile, Klaus Kinski is like an international terrorist who knows exactly what he's doing. Cold Slash bad. vampire. Kind of perfect for his role. Like with that accent, you can you're a pretty good like evil terrorist character. Can can I just take a take a moment here and say that I felt this movie was in the beginning, the exposition wise, I was like why are they doing this? Like, there were a lot of times where I was like, okay, but why Why do they have money? And it's like, you don't find out about that until, like, the end of the movie. It's like, <laughs> if you look at how, the, if this movie was made today, it would have been so much different in terms of, like, how expository the first 20 minutes are. Yep, yeah, but I, like, uh, I mean, that's, I mean, do you see that they have money? So, like, the reason why they have money, I don't feel like, I mean, yeah, I we get to know it, that's fine, but, like, I mean, they don't have to tell you that they have money. You can see that they have money. No, yeah, it's and, inferred. And, like also, uh, and I also like in this how uh, Nicole Williamson, who plays the uh, the police officer, like the commander. William Bullock. Um, yes, the, I, I love how they set him up as like a total fucking badass with reputation. Like everyone is like super scared of him, almost like tiptoeing around him. And you never really get, get to know why. Like even Dave is in the house know who he is. Is that famous of a police officer? It's just like, oh, he's a killer. 
and there's this amazing scene where he's like he's talking to someone and some other policeman like laughing a bit too much in the background and he just looks at them and like two people runs up there and like silence them immediately because he's such a freaking badass <laughs> i think it, i mean he's like you have oliver reed versus klaus kingston in this movie like two titans but still i feel like Nicole Williamson like steals every scene he's in. He stole Such the whole show in this movie. Do you think yeah. they kept him apart during the filming because like it would be too much of a like masculinity in the same room? I mean, the testosterone must have been fucking because like like ninety percent of the movie they're like uh, two floors between each other and just like talking through over a street. So I'm I read sure that they, uh... they were never the three of them. I mean, Oliver Reed and Klaus Kinski that was the big problem because they had to be together. But the other guy was just you know <laughs> kind of talking with a normal voice, but somehow they were hearing him in the top floor as well. But that's cinema for you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Klaus Kinski and Oliver Reed hated each other. While with a passion and oh, yes on oliver reed would like m like do everything he could to like prank and throw kinski like off his game and you can tell in the performances like the characters in this movie despise each other but have to work together to get out of this hostage situation i think it's so beautiful like the actors also hate each other but you know they have to finish the movie I, I thought it was kind of funny because, like, uh, what you're saying, yeah, it was actually really inferred that you you were getting the sense that they hated each other. The funny part is that from a plot from a plot point of view, they don't really talk a lot about like why they would hate each other. You just get that they hate each other because they're different, and like, yeah, yeah, it's all like, in also, the, all in the fact that you can see that they actually do hate each other for real. Yeah, but like, also, I mean, they, this is quite beautiful setup because they're all you know banging the maid. It's like. <laughs> kind of the spider in the web in this whole kidnapping situation and she's the one who initiated all of it like she yes when, when they go when she, they go like oh he, she, he the driver like oliver reed he was seduced by the maid uh, i just went like oh yeah it makes sense that he, like he's too stupid to actually be a terrorist on his own yeah, yeah yes she was gone uh, too I mean, soon and what a perfect death performance oh <laughs> uh, yeah i mean and uh, oliver reed's death is also pretty amazing like, yeah first first he gets shot and he throws his massive body around in the basement and soon after he also gets bitten by a snake and it's oh i, lo I love i love that when he's getting shot and it's like afterwards when he's writing in pain and on the floor i was just thinking that he got shot like once in the shoulder as far as i can tell so to me i was just thinking like how how does how do the these kind of actors and like characters act in current day movies where like if they get shot in the shoulder it's just like they walk it off like pg-13 and this one is like it's like five sequels yeah and like this one is like writhing in pain and like can't stand up and he's like <laughs> fainting over getting shot in the shoulder and i was like okay did he get shot in the stomach or something did i miss something <laughs> because i only see one bullet wound i also like how they underplayed um uh, when the maid gets bitten and they think it's just like a common house snake it's like oh you, you'll be fine like don't worry, worry about it and she's like getting paler and paler and stuff with the <laughs> She's blue. Like, oh no, you just you just in shock. You'll be fine. <laughs> in my note, in my notes here, I wrote about different characters, uh, like actors. I wrote Oliver Reed, Swole Tom Selleck, also known as Beefcake Tim Curry, which I'm like, I can't unsee that he looks like Tim Curry, but beefy. I th oh, it's, it's way prettier than than Tim Curry, I think. <laughs> no, it was yeah. like if if Tim Curry got, got swole for a Christmas and grew a beard, I think he could be uh, Oliver Reed. Uh, Oliver Reed in a mustache, like he he rocked that mustache for a lot of years, and it's it's um, quite the I'm, mustache. It is quite the mustache. I am uh, just before we start recording this, I was I haven't finished it yet, but I'm watching um, 
Women in Love, a movie he's in, and he's still rocking that mustache. And this is like 10 minute naked wrestling scene with him. And it's, uh, it's quite the watch, I have to say. Okay, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Just for research purposes, just for the pod. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another uh, actress in this is uh, Sterling Hayden, who I haven't talked about yet. He plays the Grandpa. grandfather. Of, yeah, of the boy. Was he I mean, I somehow the, the prototype of the, the, the old like explorer in Tarzan? <laughs> I don't know the timeline of these movies, but he I felt think Tarzan came out in like 1920, I think. Did it? Like the original Tarzan, like books and stuff came out like oh, in the yeah, 1920s. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then it's the other way around. <laughs> Same energy though. So, yeah, and I mean that this like another like he's I think this is his last uh, performance in a movie uh, before dying. But I mean, what a way to go. Yeah, and uh, I mean he died years later. But I mean another like such a masculine presence brought into the movie because I don't know if have you seen uh, Doctor Strange Love? Of course. Yeah, I mean, he plays, I, I didn't know the name of his character, I didn't remember it, but I looked it up. He plays General Jack the Ripper in that movie, the guy who's obsessed about them putting fluoride in the water. Uh, okay, yeah, I, I think that, like, uh, do you think this movie is a sequel or a prequel to Dr. Strangelove in terms of his character? <laughs> yeah, maybe he changed career, like, got into the hotel business after the bombs fell. I, I think, like, when I saw him, I think it took, like, maybe two minutes of me looking at his face and going like, is that Michael Palin from Monty Python? And I thought like, <laughs> did they actually go for Monty Python because of the pun or something? <laughs> and I felt very clever. I felt, I felt very clever when I realized that in my head. <laughs> um, but in terms of it being a snake movie, where do you rank it? Cause like snake movies are a, a genre of their own. Like what do you, I mean, as I was about to, I, I, I was started this uh, a few minutes ago, but then, we got sidetracked, but like I like how Snake is like barely in this movie. It's just like a constant like luring threat that is not really seen. It just pops up every now and then. It's like doesn't. It's not like a menacing big monster thing. It's, it's not Anaconda. Yeah, exactly. I I, um, I I I was about to ask that. Like, do you think? Okay, I know this was based on a book or something, but do you think this was like a script someone had and that they were like. If we add a snake to it, we can do a lot more because, like, if you look at it from a plot point, though, there are not a lot of scenes in the movie where the snake is needed for it, like the 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 contents of the like plot to move forward. I mean, to be fair, like it would maybe be a more like con like better movie, quote unquote, if the snake wasn't there because there's so much going on and the plot is so convoluted. But I just think, like, adding, fuck it, let's throw a snake in it. Just so good. To beauty. Whereas, like, the premise of the movie is convoluted. The plot is pretty, like, pretty simple. <laughs> the premise Straight of the movie forward. is almost identical to Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Yeah, and I was just about to ask that. Is this movie the better snake movie or Hard Ticket to Hawaii? Uh, I mean, Hard Ticket to Hawaii has more boobs in it, so I guess it's the better movie. Oh, that's I haven't that's watched. Bo boobs spelled with B-E-W-B-S, I assume. How else? Like, could you spell boobs. it? <laughs> But what other snakes movies are there? I haven't seen. This Anaconda. is my third one. Uh, like I've seen only Anaconda, Snakes on a Plane, and this one. Like oh, yeah, Snakes on a Plane. I guess if we don't count like the Harry Potter movies, the last two are pretty snake uh, centric. So <laughs> I don't know. But, is, it, uh, is it is it just is it just me or are snakes like the most boring like pre predator to make a movie like a horror shut movie up. around? Like, no, it's not. I, that's my biggest fear. <laughs> no, I was like, that, that's the thing. I know snakes are a lot more dangerous than like uh, spiders. But I'm a lot more terrified of watching a movie with spiders than snakes. Never. 
But and especially this one with the stealthier snake, because you have your anaconda where it's this big monster and it's kind of okay. You know, I'm watching a monster movie, not as much a snake movie. But this one, mm -hmm. and especially the way they presented its absence, is the thing that really got me. Because when when he was like looking for it, and there were a lot of things that kind of looked like snakes or felt like snakes, I, that was the parts where I was like, okay, I'm watching a horror movie and I'm shitting my pants right now. <laughs> and uh, also at the at the end when the snake was moving towards Klaus Kinski, and they were just showing things that it was kind of interacting with on its way there, I was like. This is such a good directorial decision. I fucking love that part. <laughs> yes, I, I wrote that down as well. Because yeah. you see, uh, what is it? Uh, you see like this like a fire poker like dangling. Yeah. And you see like a the, the cord for a lamp moving a little bit, a door hinges. And you see like the, the grandpa and the boy like observing it. It's such a, a nice scene. <laughs> do, do, you, do you think that they actually wrote the the grandpa character as an American because like they couldn't get him to do an American British accent. <laughs> Are they I mean, all Americans? No, they're all British. <laughs> no, but he was in a, a American school uh, for like diplomats and rich people in the beginning. That's how I understood it because the school had an American flag and they felt very American. Everyone else yeah. put British accents though, right? I think the family itself is American. And like they make a point of saying like, yeah, and he's an American who's a, a like a, he owns. I think a they established like that. I mean, the grandpa's definitely American. I think the father is supposed to be American, even though he's never seen in the movie. The the mother is definitely British, which I guess is why they're there. But her accent is also uh, a lot less subtle than everyone else. And she has and... the best cheekbones ever. Can I say that? <laughs> but also like uh, Nicole Williamson's Scottish accent is. So good. gorgeous. Nicole Williams. <laughs> Every time he says terrific, I just oh <laughs> I sent a car for her anyway, so she'll be she'll be here soon. <sighs> terrific. I, I like I have a thing though, if I'm watching movies with Scottish or Irish accents, I'm like repeating every line, trying to practice them in my head. So it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, a lot of his so, scenes were a lot less uh, like menacing because I was just like doing them in my own bad Scottish <laughs> accent, but. I, wow. I think uh, yeah, the Nicole Williamson was the guy who stole the movie for me, like in terms of performance and uh, presence. I, I like legitimately find his performances like one of the best in movie history. True, and it, I mean it's like it's I don't want to say it's wasted on this movie because I love this movie. I think it's a great movie, but like it's it has such range, such depth. Uh, like in the beginning. Like the, the the thing that initiates everything going to shit is that Oliver Reed uh, shoots a police officer that comes by the house uh, to check to up on the snake. Yeah. yeah, check up on the snake. And then when uh, Nicole Williamson like shows up on the scene, he like sees the dead police officer, and then Klaus Kingsley starts uh, talking to him through the window, and he has like his tears in his eyes because like the police officer is dead, but he's still like you know speaking all like uh, with authority and like trying to you know get a hold of the situation is so good i i think that's like my overall feeling of this movie is that it's incredibly like it's it's also like at the, on one hand it's very quaint it's like if you look at like how older movies are it's like very mannered and like methodical but the, then like at the same time you have this contrast of how like absolutely ridiculous situation is in the like in the general sense like if if someone is if someone read to you the synopsis of this movie and you like if if it is a modern person, they're gonna think in their head like, oh, it's gonna be snakes on a plane, like it's gonna be ridiculous. But this movie plays it completely straight in the sense that like, no one in the movie is going like a snake in the apartment. What's going on? Like everyone is just like, 
like when when whenever like the commander like uh, Bullock is talking to anyone, it's just very, very like this is the situation. This is what's happening. This is what we need to do about it. And it's like yeah. everyone is just doing their jobs. There's no like faffing about or anything. <laughs> That's the energy he was like, giving they, all the time. Uh, when they like find out that like the university with the toxicology people, they're like. Oh, we got a harmless snake. I guess someone else has this black mamba. What a terrible mistake. <laughs> Wanna oh, well. go for lunch? <laughs> and then she like goes on about the day and like on the way it's like, hmm, maybe I should call the cops about this. Yeah, yeah and, and but but that's the thing, like as soon as Commander Bullock comes into the movie, he's he, it's it's almost like his character was like meta on the meta level, telling everyone, Hey dude, you need to take this fucking seriously. Like this is a serious <laughs> movie. Fuck you, because all the scenes before him, they're kind of like ridiculous. Like I think one of my favorite mo- mo- lines in the movie is the one where uh, like the nanny is helping uh, Philip take up the 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 box with the snake, and uh, the Philip is just like for some fucking reason just going like we need to put this new animal in its vivarium. Like he's not saying like there's a fucking snake in there. It's like this new animal, this new animal. And, and you look like, around oh. and all the other animals are just like fluffy rabbits, mice, or whatever. And she's like, okay, another one. <laughs> Uh, this... Uh, yeah, it's, like, it's not a bonner rabbit. It's like, yeah, you'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then bang, dead. What's this anyway? Another one of your little furry animals? <laughs> no. And then, <laughs> and then the Commander Bullock comes in and is like, okay, now it's a serious movie. Everyone shut the fuck up and everyone just sits down and become normal, okay? But also he had a scene, which is one of my absolute favorite scenes, where he specifically requested for a tall biker's outfit. I did not understand the significance of the scene, but oh my god, did I love it. I don't know why he wanted to get dressed. I maybe missed the plot point, but I was like, this is ridiculous. I love this character so much. Wasn't it just... What, wasn't I don't it really just because get it either. But it's, uh, as far as I got it, because like, okay, they never really show it. It's kind of like United 93. You just kind of like have to assume that all the dialogue is like built on realism. And this one is like, okay, I assume he's tall. And then when they show up and he gives him the, like the biker outfit... He gets like the leather gloves and everything like they're supposed to protect you from a but snake. But why did he need it? Because uh, he was going to go in and it's like he didn't want to fight a snake in like a regular police outfit. He wanted like the leather gloves and everything. Yeah, I also thought it was like something like that or he didn't want to because they had seen him. Uh, the hostage taker, like they didn't want to see it was him for some reason. Like they could still think he was outside. Oh, he's yeah, still uh, the one on their side getting their demands and everything. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay. I also love how like he just goes in through a wall, shoots Oliver Reed, the snake <laughs> comes up, he's like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> he just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> fuck this, I'm getting the bazooka. Yeah, then let's not try this again. <laughs> I also loved another moment where uh, the toxicology lady, whose performance also I fucking loved, she was very like glam and like very kind of, you know, She's always dainty inside, even when the she, hostage situation. But when she called and she's like, I'm calling from toxicology. And he's like, what was that? Poisons? <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. I all, the, the, the uh, thing I hate the most about this movie is when she, who's like a toxicologist, uh, she calls them in and is like, Poisonous. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it's the most poisonous snake in the world. I just want to punch the screen. Same, like it's same. venomous. <laughs> My Virgo and But then she dying. corrects herself. Like later on, she calls it venomous. So... Yeah, I guess it's just poor writing for I, a second. I, I think like it, it, there a lot of times when you're watching movies from like the 70s and 80s, it's kind of funny when they like they don't have the conventions for movies set up where people are expecting certain things and people know certain things and like it's sort of like okay, a character needs to react this way. So when she's explaining about the snake being venomous slash poisonous, and like the guy is going, <laughs> she's like, oh, there's a snake unleashed, and he doesn't go like. 
what a snake what's a snake doing there it's more like a snake you say huh it's like it's like they don't have any like conventions established that people need to react in a certain way to a ridiculous situation yeah i think i think i think that's like a funny through line this entire movie like how mannered and like like not, not blasé but like low energy in the sense that no one is like getting really like worked up or like treating it like a Transformers movie or like a Michael Bay movie where everyone's like flying off to like the top of the handle. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's also like telling that it's not an American movie. Yeah, know, like, th- yeah, like I wrote Dave that. O'Neill's. And I love how that's like portrayed in everyone is drinking coffee all the time, but it's from like, like actual coffee cups and with like, uh, <laughs> what's it called? Achette, uh, Achette, yeah. The, like, yeah, the, the like under it. It's like, it's very proper. It's not like paper cup and throw it away. Everyone's just smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee all the time. Damn, I, I, I like the that fact one. that he has like he has his like own pa- like he has his own like uh, war operation room or something. It's like whenever <laughs> someone comes to the scene, it's like come join me in my car in the back seat and drink tea or coffee. I have another thing to add to the to the drama with them saying poisonous. Uh, they're also saying that the black mamba is the most venomous in the world, and that's not true. And I feel like someone that that works in toxicology should know that. Also, I'm not uh, completely going to ignore the fact maybe that maybe it was at the time a yeah, toxicology yeah, yeah, I... expert is ordering a black mamba from a pet shop. This also did not <laughs> yeah. really make sense with my fantasy. <laughs> can, can I ask why they needed to make the whole sub, like quote unquote subplot about the woman taking like giving the Philip the the snake, and that it's like that it's she she because when he goes into the shop, the woman is there and she's like no. Uh, go away like there are a lot of children here you can't be here and like he's getting scared and then she actually gives him the box and then it turns out like oh, he, she's only she's working there that day because the owner of the store like mr lowenthal is uh, like sick and i thought it was going to be like a twist that like turns out he was actually bitten by the snake or something <laughs> but it's like did, did did that scene did did mr lowenthal need to be sick that day for the plot to work like could he just i mean i guess that makes boxes? sense because she's like she doesn't um, he's clearly a, a regular at the shop, and she's like, "Oh, I didn't recognize him with you." So it's like, I guess she's like, kind of doesn't see very well, which also explains why she would give him the wrong snake. But the box, the main is... man was there. The wrong uh, box had already been given at that point. Like there was only one box left, which was the one. With I, the I, I guess it had like institute. I don't know, like the toxicology <laughs> thing on it. I don't don't think too hard about yeah. it. No, I, I was just sitting there going like, is this like was this like a subplot they cut out, or am I like, is it just like how movies were back in the eighties or seventies? Did the lady in the pet shop remind anyone of like uh, Miriam Margulies? She was giving me like her hands down. Uh, I don't know if you Who's know that? her. She, I mean, not to throw in another Harry Potter reference, but she was a biology herbology teacher. She's kind ah. of yeah, <laughs> yeah, a bit yeah. I also asked like, uh, there's a big like uh, point. Or like plot point of this movie is that the kid has asthma and were inhalers not invented in 1980 talk about I helicopter so. mom with her, this whole asthma thing <laughs> 75 but... degrees in the house that's too damn hot that's what like two, <laughs> 23 24 celsius that's too much it, and it felt like it was summer there already so i'm but, but, but isn't heat really good when you have asthma like i, I no, they're gonna dry out asthma. it looked like they had like a, a heat source that was the typical drying out of <laughs> uh, scenario, but he also had the humidifier, so I guess they were kind of battling this as well. It was very convoluted. <laughs> I also like how it's like portrayed uh, in the movie how like uh, 
um, Oliver Reed is so damn sweaty this whole movie. Uh, it's like it's... his hair is always a mess. He's dripping. But Klaus Kinski it's is always like his degrees. Ha- yeah, but Klaus Kinski, he's like he's a he's this cool professional terrorist kidnapper guy, and he's never as sweaty. Same like the boy is never really sweaty, but the grandfather is quite sweaty. I think so I guess like Oliver Reed is like freaking out. He's sweating. Klaus Kinski is like calm and collected killer guy. Uh, the boy is like, oh, I'm just happy to be along, and then the grandfather is also freaking out. But was it actually like necessary for a plot? Because I, I'm like, for me, it's like I'm just thinking like, okay, was this used, what was this utilized properly for the plot? And I'm thinking that the kid had asthma. Do you think this movie could have worked without him be, having asthma? Because like they had w- the one part of the movie where they go like, okay, but if you turn off the heat, the snake will go into a coma. So the and I thought like if they if there was gonna be like this conflict, it was like no, you can't turn off the heat because then the child with asthma is gonna die. But that was not a part of it. Like the child just had asthma, and that was just like a I think it's more used thing. for like establish how worried the mother is, like in general about the child, and like how how good the grandfather is at being a grandfather. Like when he like calms him down and helps him like relax and breathe through the asthma attacks. So I think it's mainly for that than any like major more for character than for plot. I, lo- I love that scene when it's like he wakes up in the middle of the night and the child, get, like Philip, gets a, an asthma attack and the, the the grandpa is running up the stairs and it's like it's like three, three fucking floors. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> you get this scene where it's like the, the Philip is on the top stairs and he's like, "Grandpa, Grandpa, come here!" and it's like he's like chipping for air and then at the same time it's like Grandpa's like running up trying to get closer and closer and closer and I thought that was like uh, that. In the same sense, like this was a movie when conventions weren't as like nailed, like they weren't as expected, or you needed to have conventions or like set up and pay off in the same way. So it's like when you have that scene and then don't, because I thought that was going to be a setup to like there's going to be another moment in the movie later on when there's like they're going to have to run up these stairs and it's like they're going to be chased or it's going to be like timed or like it's going to be danger. And I thought that was like a setup and a payoff, but it's just like one nice scene. That just mm. shows that the grandpa and the child are good together. Yeah. yeah. There's a cut from when Oliver Reed is dying from being attacked by a snake. It's a scene of him screaming and it's like smash cuts to the mother when she's arriving at the scene screaming like, oh, where's my kid? <laughs> I just love that shot. I, uh, I wanted to talk about the fact that the first time we see them, she's already like worried about him because he's not wearing his jacket. And she's like, this is about too much as far as it goes or something like that. She's like super, super protective. And then you have the grandpa who's like, let me hail you a cab to go across, what is it, London or whatever, <laughs> yeah. so you can get your own pet snake. <laughs> I think the driver is a bit more lax than the mother. <laughs> yeah. I also like how the, the grandfather is like, he's like calming down in the evening routine. He's like having a scotch in front of the TV, mm-hmm. watching himself shoot buffalo. He's such a... A swell dude that I'm okay with him being like very. I, I mean, he looks like when I when I look at him, I like I can smell him like smelling like a sweaty grandpa yeah. in like, a nice way. The kind of like the kind you fell asleep fall asleep on when he's reading like bedtime stories. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, we've had different experiences. That was mostly grandmother raised. <laughs> uh, my, my, like my grandpa died before I was born, so like <laughs> I, same. I, I'm uh, just I, I just have a vivid imagination. Maybe the moment where he was sitting with the scotch and watching himself in movies is like kind of to prepare you that he's so gonna fall for their plan to like call him to star in a movie again. So maybe that's oh, why. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's like, yeah, this movie is like, 
I hate to, I hate to go back, but it's like the mumblecore thing, where it's like things oh. are just like so natural and so like just like just under the surface in terms of energy that is kind of like that could be a setup to the fact that he's like easily lured about being uh, like in a new. And like expedition or something, or it could just be them just being like, "Hey, wh- what would this guy do?" Like, I I assume he watches like nature documentaries on TV. I also feel like it's like so, so good at like um, the scene when he's like getting smooth talked over by Klaus Kinski. How like good his character is at you know convincing people of his character. I feel I feel Klaus Kinski in general like this movie has really good ADR in, in the funny sense with like additional like dialogue recordings on, on top of everyone. So like, I think like the first 10 minutes of the movie is like entirely ADR where like the characters, it sounds like the characters are just like this close to the microphone all the time when they're speaking. Like, <laughs> so so I, I feel like Klaus Kinski is worse than that. And I just thought like, is it because he was very drunk or is it because like he's, he's, he's really bad at English? I kind of want to watch the remaining 10 hours of snake footage. I saw that they, they filmed 10 hours of snakes, just snakes. And, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And they used like two minutes of it, I think. And also, they built a robotic snake for $100,000, but it was so awkward and it, it looked so bad that they used it for literally like half a second in the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, this, like, you can't do get, a robotic you snake. Can, you can, like, there have to be rubber snakes in this movie. But you can never really tell it's a rubber snake, except for, like, when it's, like, wrestling with a snake. There's this whole shot where, like, the snake goes, like, sucks through a, a hole in the wall. It goes into the liquor cabinet and stuff like that. But it's, I mean, it's fucking crazy to use actual back bambas for this, but it pays off. Yeah. It, it just looks great. Also, one of them was not a mamba, but it resembled one. There, there was one that was safe for them. That was probably the one they were closest to in proximity. <laughs> <laughs> I think Klaus Kinski's death in this movie is like a like a, a movie version of an opera. It, it was just like gorgeous. It was just like just complete blasting of your senses all over when he's just like w- railing around. But it, it's also like a, he gets like he gets the snake in his face. He's wrapped up in the curtains. He's getting shot by snipers on a balcony, and he falls. He falls to his death as he's getting shot and bitten by Black Mamba. But then when he lands, is like right next to the railing, the spike railing. So like they could have had like you know his body on the spike railing as well, just to like fucking pile on the horror of it. But it's like there's some sort of like subtlety to it where he like falls right next <laughs> I'm, to I'm it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Commander Bullock he was in there somewhere like outside of the scenes, going like, no, we need to take this seriously. Like we can we can go for the operatic falling down while getting shot and bitten, but we can't go for the impaling. That's his too gothic. <laughs> I think. <laughs> but he did manage to hit it in the head with his gun, right? Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he shoots his fucking head off. That's why. Uh, I also think, like, uh, every time in this movie, like, you can tell that Klaus has never held the gun because he holds no. it so goddamn awkwardly. And he's like, has it in the face of people. It's like, you're not going to be able to fire it holding it like that. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> he's just I, a I mastermind. I also like the whole scene when he's like uh, luring in the doctor, the toxicologist, to get become a hostage, and they like they lure them out by saying that, "Oh, this woman, that the nanny who got bit, she needs help, so we're gonna put her out on the stairs." <laughs> and then the police officer's like, "Okay, okay, I'm gonna like Commander Bullock is gonna do this. Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna allow you to do this." And then when they get close, it's like, "Ah, oh, su- <laughs> surprise, surprise sucker, it's me! <laughs> surprise sucker, it's me under the blanket." And I was thinking like. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's it, like Commander Bullock at that point of the movie has been so like stickler, but no, you we need to make sure it, like it was very like pragmatical, like very like down to earth. So realistic. good job. Yeah, yeah, and, and then at that point it comes. It's like he like slaps his face in like almost like a naked gun kind of way, where everyone <laughs> goes like, "What the fuck?" And that was also like, even though that's funny and like like ridiculous, it's it has a payoff because it's a good character building moment. Because like later on in the movie, when he finds out that the severed finger he thought belonged to the doctor, like the toxicologist, when she went in the house. When he finds out that it's like the, the finger is not hers, it's actually from someone who's d- been dead before. That's like a, a character building moment where it's like you realize that it's like pulling on the brakes because it doesn't need to go in as hard because like it's starting to realize that okay, I can take this at a slower pace. I also really like the fact that when they they put out the the supposedly bitten woman on the porch, you can see it as like a. A very female-looking leg hanging out wearing stockings. <laughs> I just love to think that that's Klaus Kinski's legs. I mean, like actually put on the stockings to make it believable for the police. <laughs> Do you think that was a goof? Do you think that was a goof or intentional? Uh, intentional. I think that's a goof. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> was it Klaus Kinski was like method acting? Like I need to be in the moment. I need to wear stockings. I need to be the woman <laughs> but then then I, I just would want to see him like walking around in stockings for the rest of the movie because he doesn't have time to take them off or something <laughs> it's like holding the toxic colors on the balcony with a gun to her head and then it like pan down and you see he's still wearing like stockings and <laughs> shoes <Heels. laughs> yeah. now overall like i think the thing about this movie that i like just enjoy the most is just that like how mannered and like quaint it was and this, i i started i i my mind started wa- wandering a bit and started thinking like what would happen if this movie was made today like if they remade this movie and i said something the like the cgi okay, would ruin it, it would... yeah no it was like not necessarily the cgi but like i'm thinking would it have been a movie where it's like turns out that they had a snake farm in the house and then like thousands of snakes came out at the same time i mean the sequel if there ever is one is about to be that with the the eggs and the vents <laughs> Fucking uh, Matthew Broderick's Godzilla stole the ending from this movie. Yeah. And it makes just as little sense in that movie. Yeah. They Damn, that, that these vents, like, are they an, an incubator? Or what's happening? Like, she laid <laughs> the eggs and the little bastards are already popping up. <laughs> no, no, I, was, I actually read that because I was, like, confused. And it's like, snakes get fertilized before they lay the eggs, so... Oh, yeah, but they still need to evolve... The egg. This takes this takes this takes place in a no, day. No, when when <laughs> they I can read, be fertilized and laid, but they have to you know. When I when I if if I read correctly, black mambas they get fertilized before, then they drop the egg, and then they're hatched pretty quickly, like in a couple of days. So it could ah. have been just a flash forward or something. I don't know. Mm. Okay, but it was yeah. like it was because uh, I was just thinking like, okay, there's not like does this infer that there was another snake in the vents or something, just like randomly finding or fertilizing or that something happened. But no, oh, no, they're just sitting around with cum in them. Yes, yeah, snake cum. <laughs> snake cum in the vents. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're going to have to call the pest control. You have snake cum. What is this smell in my house? Familiar. <laughs> oh, I, I recognize that. It's hmm. snake cum. Don't ask me how I know. <laughs> I'm from toxicology. It's poison. <laughs> <laughs> it's venomous. <laughs> Speaking of sequels, I like Nicole Williamson's character. I could see him like popping up in like five more movies like this character and all of them are shot on the, all of them like are shot a, on the same street 
like an Agatha Christie detective doing just yeah, different cases. Yeah, kind of like a, a Poirot. Yeah, just yeah. put him in everything. So great. There's a snake. It's going to be like animal detective or like animal uh, negotiator. <laughs> animal <laughs> negotiator. That's a TV show. I need that. Yeah, no, I need to watch more of his work because I've, I've only seen uh, him in The Exorcist Part 3 and he's... He, he was just like a reshoot guy in that movie, so it doesn't really come to his full flourish. He was very familiar I, I, to me when I saw him, and I, I saw that I've seen him in Excalibur. He was Merlin, wasn't he? Wasn't it him? I guess he was. I haven't seen that movie. Or am I thinking about I, a different one? I think no, he is. the second he came in, I just started thinking, like, is that guy from Wicker Man combined with Putin? That's what <laughs> I thought. But was he in Excalibur? I'm checking yep. now. No, he is. Yeah. Merlin, yeah. My God. I'm so knowledgeable. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> There's one scene in the movie that kind of remind I can't remember exactly when, but it had the very perfect line delivery of airplane when they go, like when he when in, as I know, am I the only one here who's seen airplane? Philip, you've seen airplane. I fucking love airplane. It's yeah, one of airplane, my favorite movies. But, but you, you know the scene in airplane when they go like, he never takes a second portion at home. Like when she's uh, like, uh, like questioning all the things her husband is doing as yeah. he's dying of like poison. <laughs> There's like one scene in this movie that's like exactly like that with the mother, I think, when she's like, like he never, he never does that at home. And I, it's like, I don't know. Like, when you're watching movies, are like you don't really know the frame of reference in terms of like when they were made and what like what they had, what what they were referencing. So when I was watching this, I was like, okay, is that is airplane referencing this or is it like vice versa? Is an airplane the year before this? Isn't the airplane like 86? Oh, really? I thought it was 80. I think airplane is pretty... Or or it could be also 78. Like, I'm really bad at numbers in this, that sense. There's so many of them. Numbers. The, there's, there's so many numbers. Thousands. So many numbers. I'm getting tired just thinking but, about it. But if someone would make... If, if you were the producer, you owned the licensing rights for this, and then, like, the shareholders went to you and said, like... We need to make a remake of Venom. <laughs> the movie that made no money when it came out. Let's yeah, yeah, yeah. It. But they're like, they're like, okay, we've lost all other franchises. This is the only one we have left. We need to make a remake of Venom. Who directs it? Um, I'm going to hmm. say David Fincher. Ari Aster. <laughs> Ari Aster, yeah. Yeah, I want it to be like a psychedelic fuckery. <laughs> it's like the snakes are actually the ones within us. Yeah. <laughs> oh no no no! It's there's only one option. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. What's the guy? Uh, the green room guy. Uh, uh, Sonier, sorry, Jeremy Sonier, I think. Sonier. Yeah, I feel like he has, he has the feel for this kind of tension. I mean, he will make it way more serious, but I wouldn't mind that. And it would be like if someone were bitten by a snake, it would be like chunks flying out of people when they're doing yeah. it. Yeah, it would be really gruesome. I, I, I like. I, I'm thinking like if Panic Room just had a black mamba in it, it would have been like a good movie <laughs> by David Fincher. Yeah, it's not a good movie. Panic Room is a good movie. Shut yeah. up. Yeah, you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen it, but I mean, I, I don't see how this movie benefits from like a blue tinted filter. Is it the so. Kristen Stewart one? Yeah, it's Kristen Stewart and is it Jodie Foster? Jodie Foster, I think. Yeah, I love. Yeah. Aren't both of them lesbians now? Uh, My God, queens. Side, side, side note, I think Kristen Stewart is bisexual. But uh, Okay, work. 
I, she's I marrying a woman, have, right? Yeah. I don't I don't have a Google Keep note on my phone saying reminding me of if she is uh, bisexual or not. I think she is. is yeah. There? And I think that guy, they wanted Guy Fieri to officiate their wedding, which I think is iconic, and he kind of agrees. So <laughs> I hope there's a video. Officiate and catering. <laughs> and it's just ribs. <laughs> the barbecue sauce. I can't imagine. I can't imagine like Kristen Stewart asking like Guy Fieri, like Guy Fieri, can you help me get to Flavor Town? Like I can't imagine her <laughs> saying that. <laughs> I think the best line in this movie, if we're gonna go back to Venom, is uh, "You make one sound, and I'll put my foot through your stomach." It's like a fucking <laughs> a red foreman kind of. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I'm gonna shove my boot up your ass. <laughs> it, 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 I like. The thing it was like, the yeah. thing is when Oliver Reed says it, I'm kind of like, okay. I believe it, and I kind of want to see it. Like from, a, from I, I would let him do it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I like the a line from the trailer that wasn't in the movie because it was the narration, like the voiceover, and it it was something oh. like, "Whatever you feel, you will fear," and I think this is <laughs> such a good thing to say about like a snake movie because when you know there's a snake inside, like everything that brushes against you, you're gonna think that's the snake. <laughs> yeah. I mean the the scene where like the the grandpa is like looking for the snake with the lamp, and like this is like this expert guy, safari tour guy who's seen it all, and he's like freaking out. Terrified. But just fucking goes to town with a a fire poker with oh, that's so good. Yeah. Okay, so so I was a bit confused. Like at the end of the movie, they kind of go like, uh, "We want to thank the blah 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 of the hospital of the zoo that helped mm-hmm. us handle the black mm-hmm. mamba." And the name of that person that they mention at the end, like the person that they want to thank, that's the name of the character that Michael Gow is playing, like Michael Gow. Alfred Pennyworth. Yeah, exactly, like Alfred from Batman. So I was like, so in my head, I started thinking like, wait, is like Michael Gow actually like a snake handler or did they name the character after a real person? Just an homage. Yeah, yeah. What was that? Was that why they specifically had to go make him go like, okay, if you if you can't handle a shotgun, best I best I join you, like to take care of the snake. <laughs> Maybe like the the real snake handler was like, if I'm gonna be in the movie, I need to have I need to be the cool dude who handles the shotgun. <laughs> Period. It's also so good when uh, Nicole Williamson is like, oh, you need a shotgun. It's like, I'm not trained to use a shotgun. I'm trained to use a pistol. I will use a pistol. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's very it's very like British in the sense, like very yes. mannered and like down to brass tacks. So, uh, any final thoughts? Did you hate it? Uh, I feel I wrote down in my notes here zero on the offensiveness scale. Common for older movies. No conventions laid out. Mundane. Not a lot of energy. Blase. Very British. Quick interjection. What's the offensiveness scale for you? Uh, I feel like offensiveness is like if I'm watching a movie and I feel afterwards like they're mocking me or they think less of me or they think I'm just like a person they need to shove popcorn down my throat. And this movie is like a zero on that scale where it's like the movie, it is what it is. And it's very good in the sense like how it was made. And it's very like there are a lot of things about it I like. It's just like it's not a very energetic movie. And like, I think this movie does the cardinal sin of a lot of like thrill horror movies is that there's a lot of dull moments. There's like not boring moments, but like dull moments where you kind of don't really care what's happening. And like, I think I feel like the last 10 to 15 minutes of this movie, I was like, okay, I love this. I love this. But maybe like after the first 20 minutes and like as soon as they shoot the police officer and the hostage situation starts, after that, like I found that the movie was very 
boring like not not like not bad but just like not a lot happening and me going like okay i guess like this is a movie made for someone with different sensibilities because i was just start, I, my mind started wandering thinking like okay what would happen if this was made today like i started i was trying to find a lot of things to think about when i was watching it and i didn't get a lot of, out of it but this is like one of those movies i can definitely go like i understand why you love it i just just wasn't made for me I feel like I'm I'm so like sucked into all the performances in this movie that I I don't have time to be dull because there's there's so many of them and they're they're so they're so out of this world almost they're so larger than life he's a large life actor doing larger life performances and it's I can't I can't have a dull time watching this maybe I'm just like so broken in the sense that I'm used to seeing like things that are just in your face screaming because like. The larger than life performance in this one is like when I'm watching Klaus Kinski, I'm kind of thinking to myself, like Klaus Kinski is doing a six out of ten in this movie in terms of like how energetic or like how much he's putting in like the acting. Like if it was a, like an RPG game, he's putting acting to a six out of ten in terms of like energy. It's like I, I I didn't get that feeling that like the performances were this that out of this world. What do you feel, Ed? I. I told you before we started the recording that snakes are my biggest fear. Uh, and actually, sometimes when I sleep and I wake up at 3 a.m. Uh, to have to pee or something like that, I immediately start thinking that there might be a snake in my room. So that's how far it goes. I don't know why, and I just get completely frozen in my bed. But despite that, I had so much fun with this movie. Like, I really enjoyed the viewing experience, and I think I'm going to revisit for sure. Um, there's there are some parts that kind of left a tiny bit of a sour taste in my mouth, but just looking at it from a 2021 perspective, and that's like a woman gets bitten by a venomous snake, and then you have two guys telling her, "Oh no, you're fine, girl. <laughs> you're imagining things. <laughs> you're gonna well, be wasn't, fine." Well, but in the, in the context of the movie, they're kind of those saying <laughs> it's kind of like yeah, they're idiots. Like they they, they don't know what's yeah. happening. Like they're the ones who are the idiots. Actually, I yeah. think they just like once like. They just want to get fucking out of there. Mm-hmm. I also like the, uh, uh, like when they speak, when after she's dead and Klaus King's just like, oh, this bitch has been bitten. She's dying. We don't care about her, but we want to save her. And you see this Oliver Reed is like, oh, this is the woman I love dead, you fucking prick. <laughs> yeah. I kind of wanted Klaus Kinski to chew the scenery when he did those kinds of lines. That That's the thing Like I was expecting him to do. Like his face, he can't be mannered or reserved. He needs to be Nicolas Cage levels of batshit crazy in my Intense, opinion. yeah. He has a very like, like vampiric maybe, thing about him. Like he's intense, but he's not crazy. Like the, the greatest feat of this movie is just the director being able to control everything because that must have been a nightmare. I, I Again, want Toby Hooper left in a nervous breakdown. That's just like ha, I I can't believe. Like I wonder what they did to him. Like, I think that he was like, I would rather go back to my own Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> but we kind of touched upon, I just have another question, touched upon a remake and asked who the director is, but if you had to recast the guys with actors from nowadays, who would they be? I would love to turn this into, like, a really ridiculous, like, uh, like a movie that's like, it's it's not, it's playing it completely straight, but it has completely ridiculous character actors. So it's like, like John Cena, jo- like Dwayne, like the the Dwayne Dwayne Johnson, and it's like, and everyone in the movie is just like these b- total beefcakes, and they're always always working around with like tank tops. 
and they're just super terrified of snakes. That's like ev- the entire everything else about the movie is entirely exactly the same. It's just they just replace Klaus Kinski and Oliver Reed with like John Cena and Dwayne Johnson in tank tops. That's all I want. I feel like it's very difficult to get a feel who I would recast in this movie nowadays because like I have a soft spot for these like larger than life asshole male divas of the past. Like your your Oliver Reed, your like Gene Hackman. Like these guys is like, I mean, back in the day, you could be a total prick and you could still have a career. Like these days, if you're not, if you're not lovable on Jimmy Kimmel, you won't make it in the business. And if you like the closest thing we have to uh, this now is uh, fucking hell. Why am I blanking on his name? Batman. Ben Affleck? No. Robert Pattinson? My- no, the old back. Oh, Christopher Nolan. Uh, uh, Chris, uh, Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. Yeah. Christian Bale. Yeah. <laughs> Christian Bale. I, mean, I, 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 you know, I want that screaming at the light technician, technician energy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you do do you know Emil Hirsch? Mm, nope. Vaguely. He was like in Speed Racer and like Lone Survivor. It was like really like middle of the tier, like Taylor Kitsch. It's like. It's like in the middle of the. Oh, careful! Like, yeah, yeah, but like a couple of years ago, apparently, like he actually went up to like a uh, a female producer at a party and like grabbed her by the neck and like choked her and like dragged her outside of the party. And then like he got like five other movies after that. So it's like I think you can get away with being an asshole like Oliver Reed nowadays. Ezra Miller vibes. Yeah, yeah, Ezra Miller as well. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, Christian Bale energy, absolutely not Ezra Miller or. Taylor yeah. Kitchen energy, I, I agree. Cool. Yeah, all right then. Yeah. So uh, what do you have in store for us uh, next week, Pontus? I'm actually going to go for something that also has snakes in it, which is yes. uh, a movie of mine. It's uh, Noah. Oh, we Stop. went there. Stop. <laughs> I, I felt like the other movie I had in mind, it's also like horror-esque, and I felt like, okay, we can't go for horror like twice in a row. Which one was it? I'm not gonna say now, but I, I saw one of us has it in their watch list on Letterboxd. So I thought, like, oh, I want to rewatch this movie, and this person has it in their watch list. So let's watch it. Interesting. Okay. We're gonna be watching Noah because honestly, I want someone to tell me why they like it because this I did like it. Third mention of Noah since we started this podcast. So. Next yeah, I need to get it out of the way. Like, I, it's like, isn't it better to rip off the bandaid now? Like, we need to get it out of sure. the way. I'm doing this for your own sake. <laughs> All right, cats out of the bag. How long All is right. it? No, it's like two hours, I think. Exactly. Oh my god, this is the longest one we've done. Like so far, I've been very appreciative like of the fact that longer than the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> we've been doing short movies, but now we're getting to the to the good stuff. <laughs> All right. Anyway nice talking to you i hope if anyone actually listened to this they enjoyed listening to it we should maybe create like a, a space where people can leave like comments or feedback or something i have a wall outside my house where i'm gonna put up <laughs> a, a whiteboard where people can go and type on if they want like write with a pen perfect so address in the description of the episode <laughs> and i'm also putting up a cork board outside of ned's apartment because he needs notes <laughs> yeah, I never put notes down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exact that that was exactly what I was going for with my joke. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> oh, it was explained as well. All yeah. right, see you next week. See you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.
I was born for this.